In 1872, the United States Supreme Court denied Mrs. Myra Bradwell, who had apprenticed, passed the bar exam, and had support from legal professionals, the right to practice law. Their decision quoted the Supreme Court of Illinois' opinion that allowing women to be attorneys was never contemplated. A lot has changed in the legal profession since 1872, but there is always room for improvement. From the Florida Bar's Henry Latimer Center for Professionalism, this is never contemplated. Hello and welcome to another episode of Never Contemplated. I'm your host, Heddle Desai. Over the course of our podcast series, numerous judges have emphasized the importance of mentoring. But what is mentoring and how does one get involved in either being a mentor or getting mentored? At its essence, mentoring offers guidance from seasoned attorneys to novices in the legal profession. There's a traditional mentoring where two people are paired up, one in the teaching or mentor role and the other in a mentee role. This relation can happen organically within a law firm and can last up to a, a lifetime. But what if you want to serve as a mentor but don't want to commit to a long-term relationship? Mentoring is not a one-size-fits-all proposition. There are various types of mentoring available through the Florida Bar. Episodic mentoring allows a seasoned attorney to meet up with one who's less experienced to impart practical knowledge. This happens through social settings like lo local bar association meetings, lunches, and conferences. A recent administrative law section mentoring activity was made up of a virtual table of eight done through Zoom and breakout rooms. Reverse mentoring is where a newer attorney may help an older attorney who needs help in a certain area, like social media or computer research. Group mentoring allows one mentor to lead a group of individuals. This happens through a legal organization like Inns of Court. And the latest form of mentoring made popular during the recent pandemic is electronic mentoring, which allows an attorney to offer guidance via email, texting, videos, or online. For example, the Young Lawyers Division of the Florida Bar sponsors a free mentoring service available to all bar members called Lawyers Advising Lawyers, or LAL. LAL has over 800 mentors or advisors, each of which have five or more years of experience in a certain area of advice, and it offers 90 different advice areas to choose from. The LAL program allows an attorney who identifies a legal issue in which he or she needs advice to request a match with an advising attorney through the website. Once the issue is submitted, the website generates contact information and the name of the advisor specializing in that legal area. The attorney seeking advice reaches out to the advising attorney within 48 hours by phone or email. After ensuring there is no conflict, the requesting attorney and the advising attorney work through the issue. Then, the inquiring attorney can use this advice to exercise his or her own judgment to resolve the legal problem. The Henry Latimer Center for Professionalism also promotes mentoring through local bar associations and legal organizations by providing a mentoring manual, a toolkit with instructions for mentoring programs and training, and a website with testimonials and additional opportunities to mentor. Our next guest has served and continues to serve as an official and unofficial mentor to many young attorneys. Judge Sherry Polster Chapel currently sits on the federal bench as a district court judge in the Middle District of Florida in Fort Myers. 
Judge Chapel graduated from Nova Southeastern Law School and served in the state attorney's office for the 20th Judicial Circuit from 1987 to 2000. She was appointed to the county court in Lee County by Governor Jeb Bush in 2000, where she served for three years until she was appointed to serve as the local federal magistrate. In 2013, she was appointed by Barack Obama to her current position. Judge Tappel received the William M. Hoofler Judicial Professionalism Award in 2016 from the Florida Bar for her promotion of the four C's in the courtroom, character, competence, commitment, and civility. She also received the Employee of the Year Outstanding Leadership Award and Outstanding Dedication Award when she was at the State Attorney's Office at the 20th Circuit. She has also received the Jurist of the Year Award from the Lee County Association of Women Lawyers. Welcome, Judge Chapel, and thank you for joining us on Never Contemplated. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. It's great to see you. Uh, let's dive right in. I wanted to ask you about uh, your background a little bit and where you grew up. The internet says you were born in either Sheboygan or Keel, Wisconsin. Which one is it? <laughs> I was born in Keel, Wisconsin. It's a real small town, uh, less than 3,000, halfway between uh, Milwaukee and Green Bay. Okay. I didn't want to make you pick, but... Uh... <laughs> And uh, you came from a traditional blue-collar family. Tell us a little bit about your parents. Sure. Um, my dad worked in a factory, in fact, Kohler Company, the factory that makes all of the uh, bathroom fixtures. And my mom is a beautician. Uh, she's still a beautician. She's 93, and she's still working. So, um, yes, came from a blue-collar family that just uh, work ethic was everything. And did she have her own beauty salon or... How, how, where did she work? She she does. Yes, she still has uh, the uh, shop, and uh, she's still still working hard at ninety three. So you came from a small town, and were there a lot of attorneys in in your town? Actually, to my knowledge, maybe one. I didn't even know the person. Um, never really had any contact with an attorney to uh, to figure out what they did. So no, not not a lot of attorneys in a town of three thousand. Well, uh, what about your high school or college made you want to end up in law school or as an attorney? Coming from a small town, you tend to be involved in a lot of activities. So I was in pretty much every sport there was, um, from softball to volleyball to basketball. And um, I also was in student government. So as part of our student government, we would go to a local courthouse. And when I say local, not in my town, but, you know, somewhere 30 miles away um, where they would um, have any kind of proceedings, civil or criminal. So we had the opportunity to go to court one day and see a criminal proceeding. And after seeing that proceeding, I was just so excited and enthralled about what an attorney does and what a judge does, I immediately said, that's what I want to do. And, um, and from there, I guess it just, I just pursued that dream throughout, you know, throughout the rest of my high school and through college. Well, I want to get back to that, but I want to ask you about your high school sports uh, <laughs> profession. Uh, what was your favorite sport? Wow. I loved them all. I, I would say softball. I continued to play softball even after high school, college. I played, um, you know, in law school and actually after law school played on, uh, I, I actually played in a men's league when I moved to Fort Myers because there were no women's leagues at the time. So I 
decided I was just going to play in the men's league and and I did and that's actually how I met my husband was playing softball in the men's league um in this area. Well, do you still play any softball or what do you do for exercise? I've days? hung up my uh, cleats and my glove. Uh, <laughs> I played and, and helped both of both of my sons were uh, baseball players. So um, one was, well, they were both pitchers. Um, but uh, so I would catch, you know, when they were pitching, I would catch for them and do things. Um, and, you know, until my son started pitching in the high 80s and uh, then it was it was a little bit too uh, daunting to have to catch anymore. So I hung up the cleats. Um, I like to exercise. I like to walk. Um, I like to do pure bar, that type of thing. So you're a baseball mom and uh, <laughs> <laughs> an athlete. But uh, how did you end up from the University of uh, or how did you end up going to the University of Wisconsin? I went to uh, the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, which is a smaller state university for two years, and then transferred to the University of Wisconsin-Madison, thinking since I wanted to go to law school that perhaps I would go to law school in Madison. So that is the the University of Wisconsin um, is in Madison. And, go Badgers. Um, go Badgers. <laughs> um, so that's what, I, that's what I did. I decided to go there for my final two years. And then after graduating, I just was like, you know, I really want to go somewhere where it's warm. So I decided not to attend the University of Wisconsin, but to move south. Well, what kind of activities did you do in college um, and what was your what did you end up majoring in? I was a psychology major and a criminal justice minor. I did a lot. I, I worked a lot because I put myself through college and um, and law school eventually. Um, so a lot of what I did was uh, working and school, but I also participated in band uh, activities. So um, yeah, <laughs> marching so band. You, you were in the marching band. What did you play? I played the flute and the piccolo. I I twirled flags. I did whatever <laughs> I needed to do. Yeah. Well, um, it sounds like you were pretty, pretty busy. Um, and you end up going from Arctic, Wisconsin to balmy <laughs> Florida. Uh, did you know anybody else when you came down to Florida? I didn't know a soul. I actually moved down here. I remember my dad and I driving down here and that's the first time I had a car was when I came to law school. So up until that point, when I was in Madison, I would ride the bus or I would ride my bike until it got too frigid to actually be able to ride my bike safely um, in the snow. I'd ride the bus, but I got a, I got a car um, and, and uh, headed down to Florida to uh, Nova University, the Southeastern University's uh, law school. And um, I remember my dad just literally dropping me off and flying home. I didn't know a soul. So it was my opportunity to, you know, kind of branch out and meet new people and, and just, just enjoy the law school experience. Well, law school is a good place to, to make lifelong friends, I think. Um, you mentioned that you worked your way through through law school as well. What kind of things did you do in law school to get by? I had my own typing service. So I typed at that time. We didn't have the computers and things that we do now. So I, t I did a lot of typing for individuals who had no idea how to type a brief. 
So I got permission from the law school to actually type briefs as long as mine went in first and and I would type other people's briefs for them to hand in for their classes. I worked for probably seven or eight different attorneys just doing freelance work. So if they needed um, a complaint written or if they wanted research on a topic, they would just contact me. So it was, you know, between all of the different attorneys, it was pretty steady to do that. And then I also uh, had a part-time position where I worked for a criminal defense attorney who uh, did federal work. And um, that was kind of my job where I actually went in to the to his office and, and did every type of different legal research and writing. Well, it sounds like you had a lot of criminal law uh, background even before you, you graduated. Um, did you also work at the public defender's office at some point? When I was in college, uh, as part of the criminal justice minor or certificate, you had to do an internship. And at that time, I thought I um, was going to want to work in the public defender's office um, as a career eventually. So I decided to do an internship with the public defender's office when I was in college. If there's someone who is listening out there who hasn't decided where to go or what kind of criminal law to do, what what kind of advice could you give them from your experience in both on both sides? Right. Um, in college, um, I had the opportunity, as, as I said, to work for the public defender's office. In law school, I did a certified legal internship in the state attorney's office. So the reason for doing that was really to see both sides of the coin and to understand, you know, to be a good public defender, um, assistant public defender, I would need to know what was going on in the state attorney's office and vice versa. So I would, you know, I would recommend obviously anybody in, in interested in trial work or um, working for one or the other of those agencies to jump right in and, and get a um, get an internship. Um, it's free, <laughs> you know, and, and they love having individuals who work for them. Um, and I think that's the best way to decide what you really want to do. And it's not for everyone. So getting that personal experience is what helps you make that decision eventually. Well, after law school, you ended up at the state attorney's office and you were there for 13 years. You started off as an entry level attorney doing misdemeanor work and worked your way up to managing the entire uh, Charlotte County state attorney's office. Um you were the first female attorney to head up that office. What what uh, what was it like to try to uh, manage attorneys and staff, a large staff like that? <laughs> right. It was it was an experience. I I also was the first female office head of the Henry and Glades County office. That was the first time that I became an office head, um, and. As an office head, you not only supervise the attorneys, but you also had the responsibility of supervising the secretaries and the investigators. So it was really you had to be a well-rounded individual to to take in everything that was going on in the office and yet um, get the job done as well. So as well as being the head of those various offices that we've discussed, um, I had a full caseload. So I handled a full caseload and worked with the attorneys, worked with the investigators, and worked with the secretaries. So I, I'm seeing a theme like throughout your life, you like to be very busy. <laughs> <laughs> An understatement, like, yes. Yes. And you, uh, you know, from a small age, it's uh, even in high school that you were on team sports, that you like leading a team. Um, were there any 
mentors or people in your life that maybe taught you a management style or a way to manage people specifically? I think when when I uh, started with the state attorney's office, there were very few female attorneys in positions um, in the state attorney's office. So I, that's the reason, as as you you know, as we we spoke of me becoming the first female office head in Hendry and Glades County, the first female office head in Charlotte County, um, the first female that was asked to sit on the executive council. So I didn't have. Um, many mentors who were female attorneys because that just was, um, at that time in the late 80s, early 90s, there weren't a lot of women who who worked with the agency. But as far as other mentors, certainly you always look to, you know, to others to, to mentor you. And, and that's that's been a big thing in my life. Personally, my mom was a huge mentor for me. Um, as I spoke, she's still working at 93 years old. So um, she balanced a family with a career. And I think that's always been very important to me too. So that type of mentorship personally, um, my work ethic and everything that I've learned came from my parents. But as far as mentorship um, and becoming an attorney, there were there were um, male attorneys in the state attorney's office who were excellent attorneys. And I was able to have some really good mentors who recognized strengths in me and, um, you know, assisted me in moving throughout the office and um, being promoted throughout the office based upon that. How would you describe your management style that you developed uh, while you were at the state attorney's office? I think I, I can't do it in one word. It's it's more or less, you know, I'm not going to ask somebody to do something that I don't do myself or wouldn't be willing to do myself. So I lead by example. I found that if I kept, and, and I didn't have to, as an office head, I didn't have to keep a full caseload, but I did. So when I would have um, some of the more difficult murder cases or child sexual battery cases, I would always have another attorney sit with me so that they could see how I prepared a case, so that they could assist in preparing the case. Because I had a caseload, I went to docket soundings and I went to other proceedings so that I could mentor those attorneys. They could see how I prepared for a docket sounding, how I prepared for a motion to suppress. So I'm a very much lead by example person and a very team oriented person. I know we just talked about uh, mentoring and how it was important still for you today. For our listeners, what kind of mentoring opportunities would you recommend and why should they, you know, what benefits do you get being a mentor or being mentored? I think the mentorship always goes both ways. Uh, Right now, uh, we have several interns that uh, work in my office, in my chambers, and I think you learn from them just as much as they can learn from you. And that's why I say it's a two-way street. It's always nice to keep your hand on the pulse of what's going on uh, currently with the law schools and, and different things that the uh, the interns, um, students are learning. So as far as inside the office, I try to mentor the interns as best I can so that when they leave my office, they're able to become a law clerk 
uh, for another judge. And I have been fortunate enough to place a lot of my interns with other judges, uh, both on the DCA level, um, the Supreme Court level, the, the Florida Supreme Court level, and uh, in other federal positions with uh, administrative law judges. So I really take a vested interest in their um, in their careers and in in what they uh, what they're learning in my chambers. So my advice to people would be do that, you know, become an intern, um, try to find somebody who is a, a good mentor that can work with you. And what about on the other side? Why should it be beneficial for people to give up their time to help younger attorneys or less seasoned attorneys? I think the sense of fulfillment that you get from from teaching uh, others is is beyond anything that that you can imagine. I think it's very, very important to do that. And I also think it brings you back to recognizing and remembering what it was like to to be in their position and to have someone guide them and then see them succeed. That's just uh, that's just a wonderful feeling. Well, I know you're also very active in ends of court. Tell us a little bit about that. Right. I've been active in ends of court uh, since uh, becoming a, a federal judge and probably even before that. But uh, I find that's a good way to mentor as well, because sometimes you have attorneys who become members of the ends of court who are solo practitioners. So they don't really have somebody in the office where they can walk down the, the hall and ask questions. So it's really important in a group such as the ends of court, which is a professional organization for uh, judges and attorneys, to have the ability to get together with uh, those individuals during the course of um, the, you know, your membership in that organization and learn from other people. Uh, sometimes we ask members members to become members, individuals to become members, because they need a little bit of help. They need a little bit of guidance. And there's seasoned attorneys and judges within the organization that that can help them and point them in the right direction. Uh, Sometimes, as I said, there's just the solo practitioner who decides that becoming a, a member would be helpful to them. And I think it is because they have that networking ability then. And sometimes you're in a large uh, law office and you kind of get lost. So it's nice to, to be able to um, have the mentorships of others in the organization. Well, sticking with that theme of mentoring, I know that you also teach IT and computer <laughs> to other judges, which I would think would be overwhelming. <laughs> uh, although the newer judges, I'm sure, are coming up, you know, have, have come up through the ranks uh, knowing about legal research and all kinds of social media issues. What has that been like and what has your role been, especially during COVID? I started uh, teaching with the Federal Judicial Center and the Administrative Office of the Courts. I started teaching judges probably 15 years ago. And at that time, we did a lot with teaching the judges how to do their jobs um, easier with the use of the computer equipment that they have. Um, when it started, you know, many judges still had their their yellow notepads and they were writing things by hand and some still do. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there are ways that you can use the iPad and, and use your desktop, obviously, to make your job easier. Um, so I kind of went on a quest to help those judges who maybe make that transition, make one or two changes in their daily uh, work that would 
would help them do their job easier. So I did that for many years. I taught at the new magistrate judges school um, and what we fondly refer to as baby judges school for, for those judges coming on the bench. So I taught IT uh, to them. I also taught IT to uh, members of the IT community and um, taught them how to teach judges, uh, you know, talk judge speak, not IT speak. So had the opportunity to to do that as well. And I've tried to carry that throughout the process. I'm currently the head of our judicial IT committee for the Middle District of Florida. And I've been on national committees in regard to to the IT. So I I continue to to try to do that. And and in that regard, I like to teach and, and mentor as well. I want to go back to when you left the state attorney's office. What made you decide to put your name uh, in the hat to become a county court judge? I think I had, f- I felt that after 13 years, I had really uh, tried just about every type of case you could try and um, had, you know, done just about anything in the office and everything based upon how I had moved through the office. And I just really felt like there was something else out there for me. And I, you know, kind of harken back to the day when I was in that judge's courtroom in seventh and eighth grade when I was um, in student government. And I just thought that was the most exciting and interesting thing. So um, I kind of decided that at that point, it was a good time in my career to try to make that move. I loved my job, but if I was appointed as a a judge in the state system, that would have been, you know, that was a, a great thing too. So, and fortunately I was, so that's how that came about. Well, you mentioned the state system after the county court judge, you uh, were appointed by uh, the middle district to be a federal magistrate, and then you became appointed uh, and confirmed by the Senate to be on the district court uh, there in Fort Myers. What was different about the appointment processes for each of those positions or what was the same? Okay. Yeah. Each each of the positions, um, you go through a judicial nominating committee. So you have to, you know, apply and then a judicial nominating committee will review the applications and decide who they are going to interview. Uh, after the interview process, then in the state court, they made a recommendation uh, to the governor. They sent three names to the governor and um, for consideration for the, the judgeship. And I was fortunate enough, as I said, to be appointed by the governor um, for that position. As a magistrate judge, the do the same thing. You have to consider whether or not you're going to uh, put in the application. You do that. Um, You apply. You go through the uh, judicial nominating committee as well. And they advance five names to the district court judges in the middle district of Florida. The district court judges then get together and you have to interview with all of the district court judges and senior judges. And um, they make a selection uh, to the magistrate judge position. As far as the district court position, that was a daunting process where I applied, uh, went through the Judicial Nominating Commission uh, Committee. There were 26 members, I believe, at the time. They chose my application and me to interview with them, and I was very fortunate to do that. And then they advanced uh, several names from the group of individuals who interviewed 
to the senators. And at that time, I had to interview with both of the senators in Washington, D.C. They then advanced names to the president. And I met with uh, the president's staff to determine and and assist in determining uh, whether or not I would be the person who the president nominated. And I was uh, fortunate to get that nomination and then was uh, confirmed by the Senate after a Senate uh, committee hearing that I went through um, and was interviewed at that. So you were questioned quite a bit uh, (laughs) (laughs) over over the the course of your your, uh, judge judge career. by various factions, but uh, you were appointed by a Republican governor, Jeb Bush, and then later a Democratic president, Barack Obama. And you were confirmed with the Senate by the Senate with uh, no nay vote. So everyone voted for you. You didn't have one person vote against you. <laughs> How would you advise someone? I know it's a, it's a stressful process, but you seem to have gone through the whole thing and done it over and over. How could you adv- give somebody advice to deal with the stress of the politics of it? I think just continuing to be true to yourself and not being afraid to be yourself. I think that the committees, the senator, the president's office, uh, the president—they obviously it's a—it can be a very um, political process, and I think you have to stay above or out of that somewhat, and just be yourself and talk to individuals, whether they're. Democrats or Republicans or independents or just uh, get them to know you for who you are. Uh, Rely on your hard work and your dedication to the law. And I think that that's my best advice. Obviously, uh, timing is everything as well. We all know that sometimes it's a time to, to make a move or not make a move. But I've been very fortunate and all the stars have aligned. And um, so I, I would just uh, advise them to really just be true to themselves and who they are. Well, I think the stars aligned for you, but you also worked very hard um, and you can just tell. <laughs> Thank but you. But I, I know that that you received the Hoovler Award from the Florida Bar, um, which is awarded to a judge. And uh, I think the person who nominated you really promoted the fact that you demand civility in your courtroom. Why is civility in our profession so important? It's important all the time with what you do and outside of the profession as well. But why being a lawyer, is it necessary to be civil? Well, even though our process is an adversarial process, it's important to be an attorney who is above the process of adversarial. Uh, You can represent your client and you can do so with the utmost, um, you know, you give it your all to represent your client, obviously, but to be anything but civil to um, opposing counsel, to be anything but above board to opposing counsel or to the court for that matter is just inexcusable. It's not going to get you anywhere. Um, I will not allow attorneys that appear in my courtroom, nor will most other judges, um, allow them to argue amongst themselves. Uh, Their arguments are to be civil and to be to the court so the court can make a decision. So I have always tried to instill in my law clerks, in my interns, in those others that I supervise, that 
there's no reason to compromise who you are for any case or any situation. You need to, again, remain true to yourself, remain civil, remain above the fray, and um, present your arguments, the best arguments that you have to the court uh, to um, hopefully win that motion or that trial or whatever it is. I have one final question before we wrap this up. If you and it sounds like maybe you just gave me the answer, but if you had one piece of advice for a new attorney in your courtroom, what would it be? I always tell them to not compromise their ethics or their morals for any case. Your reputation is everything, and if you sway from that and are not true to yourself and true to the process, uh, it's you're not going to get ahead. Your reputation is everything and you need to hold that um, as pristine and, and, and crystal clear as you can. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Judd Chapel. Be safe and enjoy the holidays. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank the Never Contemplated career here at the Henry Latimer Center for Professionalism at the Florida Bar, including Katie Young, Clay Shaw, and Rebecca Bandy. Links to the Lawyers Advising Lawyers program, the Florida Bar's mentoring website, and the Inns of Court can be found in the summary description associated with this episode of the podcast. This is where you can find the CLE number as well. I hope you have a happy and healthy holiday season. Mm-hmm.